Hello, I'm Bob Bragdon, and you're listening to CSO Executive Sessions. CSO Executive Sessions is a weekly podcast produced by CSO Online and IDG. Each episode, we sit down with the leading security and risk executives to get their take on the challenges faced by their organizations. Today, I'm in Boston at the world headquarters of Wayfair, speaking with Marnie Wilking. Marnie is the global head of security and technology risk management for Wayfair, a market-leading e-commerce company that sells more than 10 million items across home furnishings, decor, home improvement, housewares, and more. Marnie, great to speak with you again. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here, Bob. Can you tell us a little bit about your role and the risks that you help address at Wayfair? Yeah, so my role includes establishing and executing on our strategy and vision for our cybersecurity, privacy, risk, and IT compliance programs. Um, like most of my retail and e-commerce peers, um, my main concerns are around protecting customers from fraud, making sure that our site is up and available so our customers can make orders, and the supply chain management and availability. And of course, with up-and-coming privacy regulations, we work really closely <laughs> with legal around GDPR and CCPA requirements. Security organizations have a kind of a broad set of responsibilities from data privacy to awareness training to risk management, and they've led to some kind of non-traditional hires that I've seen in the industry. For example, maybe marketing professionals running awareness training, things like that. What skills are you looking for today that you may not have been looking for five years ago? So historically, security engineering has been comprised of engineers and analysts who were familiar with tools and implementations used in an on-prem environment and usually fairly static. Now with more organizations moving to the cloud and to continuous deployment, it's really clear that security needs to follow the as code model. Mm -hmm. So you've got infrastructure as code, configuration as code, if we really want to be able to su succeed as security as code, then we need to hire people who can write code. Mm -hmm. uh, a colleague made a comment a couple years ago that was really revolutionary for me. She said she built her entire team based on DevOps principles and her team followed DevOps principles. And so every person on her information security team could code and do agile and it made their team really successful within the their business because that was the business model that they were following. That's pretty interesting. I hadn't heard that before. What's keeping you up at night? <laughs> Hard to choose from one. Yeah. 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 So I, again, I think the things that keep me up at night are the things that keep a lot of my peers up at night. Am I securing the right things in the right places? Are there things that are open and vulnerable that I don't know about and haven't found yet? Um, and am I giving the right guidelines to mm -hmm. the engineering teams so that they are empowered to go make business decisions fast and implement fast without having to have the security team have eyes on everywhere because we just can't possibly have enough resources. Mm -hmm. What are the security trends that you think aren't getting the attention that they probably deserve? So along the same lines of, of what I just mentioned, um, we as security professionals need to make sure that our partner teams in engineering and finance and legal, all of those teams have the information and the resources they need to make risk-based decisions. Mm -hmm. um, 
we all talk a lot about a security skills shortage. And while I would agree with that, given the number of positions that are open and the, that still remain unfilled, most of the quote unquote solution tends to be around how do we make more security people? Mm -hmm. I would argue that what we should be doing is how do we embed security into the rest of the workforce and really make security training part of the cybersecurity curriculum, the software engineering curriculum, so that, again, we don't have to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. I actually think that in doing that and getting the rest of the workforce to be more security knowledgeable, that that puts us back in a position where we, the security teams can be more creative and really be focused more on the architectural designs and the up and coming emerging threats and new issues that are coming out as opposed to being a ticket-based team where right. you're constantly in response mode. Yeah, we've always talked a lot about kind of building a, a culture of security in the business, but I think the focus has often been on kind of everybody else in the organization, not necessarily IT team, DevOps team, people like that. Right. You know, we talked about this the other day, but how's digital transformation impacted the way you're approaching security? So the phrase digital transformation is used in a lot of ways, but really it's about using the technology and the data to enable the business to do things they haven't done before and do them faster than they've done before. Mm -hmm. Our old guard security approach of toll gates and checklists doesn't fit in that model. And so teams that do digital transformation well from a security standpoint give the organizations the guardrails that they need so that they can make the right decisions so that they can move faster. Um, a lot of companies and organizations push back a little bit on adding process and framework to mm -hmm. what they're doing. But really, when you have the right processes in place, it can actually make the decision making go faster. So the only time you really have to engage separately with the security team is mm -hmm. if you're doing something that fits outside that decision making tree. So I really think digital transformation has been about reducing the friction with the business and the security teams really need to get on board with that way of thinking and making sure that the business can move as fast as it needs to move. Yeah, don't be a speed bump, right? Right, because yeah. they're, they're not going to wait for us. No, they're not. They, they will move ahead whether, whether we're ready and whether we've done the review or not. So if we give them the decision-making tools, then it will make things go a lot better for all of us. Yeah, because this is a different environment for you because you came from healthcare before. Right. So, in, in different pace, different... Well, so actually, the my previous company was healthcare software. And oh, so, that's right, I guess, yeah. Yeah, we were um, SaaS-based yep. yep. product, so they were moving fast. They were using DevOps, and that's really where I started to learn more about it, because prior to that, it was financial services, right. which is still very much in the waterfall or maybe yeah. agifall. But <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, um, yeah, it can really make a big difference when you have a conversation with the software engineering teams and the business teams, not about what the security issues are, or the mm -hmm. security controls are. If you back up and say, this is 
the risk we're trying to account for? Or this is the threat that we see. Do you agree that that's there? And if not, let's have a conversation mm -hmm. about why you don't think that's a vulnerability or why you, threat, you think that threat isn't going to affect us. Um, but when you start having the conversation that way and then say, well, look, this is what the outcome needs to look like. How would you solve that problem? Because they know their software a lot better than we do. Right. So rather than trying to you know, fit a digital transformation peg into a waterfall hole, yeah. it's much better to have a conversation and, and let them understand what you're trying to do and give the engineering team a problem to solve mm -hmm. because they'll solve it and they'll probably solve it faster and better than something that you could have thought of or something that the you know, ISO 2001 framework, yeah. 27,000, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Better than the ISO 27,001 framework from, I believe it's still from 2013, mm -hmm. can actually solve. So most of the frameworks that we're dealing with were developed when we were not delivering 300 times a day. Right, right. It's funny you bring up the like DevOps model because that was the one area, the, the number one area in our research this year where security executives felt like they were failing from a security standpoint was in addressing application development risks. Yeah. Which, but I think that's it's been that same for that way for quite a while. It it has been, and honestly, you know, back to the skill shortage, mm -hmm. application security folks are the hardest to find yeah. and the longest lead time to hire. And so when you've got, you know. A, an organization that has thousands of software engineers and one or two application security, mm -hmm. you, you, you're right, we all worry about that because yeah. we don't have enough people to address that. And the only way to do that is to make sure you shift left, mm -hmm. put it into the build pipeline, give the fast feedback so that they can correct it at the start. Mm -hmm. And that actually gets you some traction both on a security standpoint and a trust standpoint. Yeah, yeah. When they realize point. that you're not trying to hand them a report of 80,000 code <laughs> vulnerabilities to fix and that you're really focused, you know, on the very front end on these couple things, mm -hmm. you can actually get a lot of partnership with the software engineering teams. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, final question. Advice and best practices are gold in this business, right? Um, what's the best career or leadership advice you've either received or been given? Say yes. <laughs> Always? Say yes as often as possible. Um, and I, I got this advice from a mentor years ago um, who said, hey, I have this thing and I think you'd be great at this. And my initial reaction was, I don't think I have the skill set for that. And he said, say yes, you have the network to help you. You have the people to help you. I will help you. You think you know more than you think you do mm -hmm. and you will learn fast. So I have given this advice also to my daughter and her friends who are going into engineering and things like that. Say yes to the opportunities that will that are put in front of you because you will be rewarded and you will be given the opportunity to put opportunities in front of other people mm -hmm. going forward that mm -hmm. they will say yes to. Mm -hmm. Good. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of CSO Executive Sessions. We've been speaking with Marty Wilking, the Global Head of Security and Technology Risk Management at Wayfair. Thanks, Marty. Thank you, this was great. 
CSO Executive Sessions shares the expertise and insights of leading security and risk executives. To learn more about how security and risk leaders are addressing today's dynamic risk environments, make sure to visit us at CSOonline.com. And be sure to catch future CSO Executive Sessions by subscribing to this podcast on CSOonline.com podcasts or through Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Until next time, for CSO Online and IDG, I'm Bob Bragdon. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.